Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for the Cannon Fire podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino, which never closes. So head over to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkapoli. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping again and looking again and looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25, He's 20. Gone. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 187. We are live on YouTube today. Very special guest joining the show. We're going to go over the latest out of Buccaneers training camp, some position battles to look forward to, and of course, all the storylines headed into it. It is also Super Bowl ring day, so later tonight at a private ceremony at One Buck, the Buccaneers will get their Super Bowl bling. Excited for that. But ladies and gentlemen, joining the show from PewterReport.com and the Pewter Nation podcast, our good friend, Mr. John Ledyard. Thank you so much for coming on the show. John, how are you doing today? Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well. Looking forward to ring day. I heard in some cities, some organizations that members of the media, certain members of the media at least get a ring as well. And I haven't been notified yet that that's happening in Tampa Bay, but... I would appreciate it if the Bucs would let me know at some point. And they've really pulled out all the stops to make it a private event this year. Last we mm-hmm. heard, I think no outside media was allowed. I don't know the usual process of, you know, a Super Bowl ring ceremony. We don't get a lot of them in Tampa. So any videos and pictures coming out will be from the in-house media team. And we know those guys do a great job. But alongside me as well, my good buddy and co-host is always Mr. Evan Wanish. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm, I'm doing good. And, and, you know, honestly, though, ah. Not sure if I can do this podcast with, with John because don't know if I can do this podcast with a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Hey, listen, man. Uh Pittsburgh Penguins uh have drive me. No, they don't drive me as crazy as the Steelers do, but they're up there. So depending on the day you catch me and how my frustration level is with them, I might feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're you're definitely um on on Twitter, you know, during Steelers games, it's like a, when the Bucks aren't playing and you're just watching the Steelers, it's like a roller coaster. Just seeing seeing you live tweet it. Jeez, man, we saw Talk about an organization that is struggling <laughs> to find their way in the modern NFL. Hey, I, I mean, we saw Big Ben looking quote lean and mean headed into exactly training camp. The same. Um, what, do you I think don't think his weight's it, been the issue? But. Do you, Do you think he can get it done this year? Is it you know what are your thoughts on Big Ben? And then of course we'll talk about Tampa Bay. 
Uh, no, I don't. I mean, maybe we'll see. Like maybe the recovery last year was harder than advertised, but I think that uh, his decline is in place, which is, you know, expected. Right. The bummer, the the mistake really is that they haven't, they don't really have a transition plan in place yet. So that's what, that's what I think will hurt them. Yeah. So we are here today to talk about Tampa Bay training camp, and I'll ask you right off of the bat, there's plenty of position battles that people are going to look for, uh, going to be looking at. It is a stacked wide receiver room, maybe some guys coming up to play some depth on defensive line, a couple of corner battles here and there. But John, what are some battles that uh, that you were looking forward to the most? What position group are you going to have your eyes on? Well, let me, I mean, obviously everybody's going to gravitate toward Leonard and Rojo because that's the only starting spot that's really up in the air for this team. But let me just throw another one out there just for the sake of giving you guys something that maybe you haven't heard a hundred times before, but I just think Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead is going to be like a competition. I'm not sure what happens. I'm not sure anybody, you know, loses or wins the job, but I think Mike Edwards can earn himself more playing time, can force personnel deployment changes with how he plays. Um, that is just one that everybody should have their eyes on that we haven't talked about maybe as much. It, it's And Whitehead just had his best season. That's why we're not talking about it more. Um, they also don't really play the same position. So it makes it tr- tricky too, because if Mike Edwards is going to play more, he's probably going to play more of where Winfield played mostly last year. And then does Winfield play more of where Whitehead plays, you know, it, it kind of in the slot, but mostly in the box and around the line of scrimmage and blitzing and Winfield's good at that stuff too. Winfield can kind of do everything. Edwards might just be a free safety. Whitehead might just be a strong safety. How do they make it all work? All three were on the field together against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl more than any other game and obviously was a problem for other teams. So that's the kind of stuff I want to see. You know, does Winfield's deployment, does he play some nickel this year? Um, does that make Sean Murphy Bunting more of an outside guy, get him off the field in certain situations? Does Jamal Dean play out? So just the secondary in general, how's it all going to work? What's the snap deployment going to be? Will be exactly like last year. Will there be changes? I think that all really bears worth watching. Yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely an interesting one. And like you said, John, one that hasn't really been brought to many people's attention because and looking at it, Whitehead's a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. And should he get more money elsewhere, I think the Bucks would maybe look to a guy like Mike Edwards to sort of fill that role as like the, you know, the cheaper option. So maybe they do give him a look there. Like you said, they do play two different positions. So um, I think Edwards is versatile. I think that's why the Bucks drafted him really. Uh, if you look at all their safeties that they've drafted under Todd Bowles, a lot of them are, are very versatile. So uh, I think he could play a, a little bit of a role like that, but I, I agree that if, if Edwards were, were to beat out Whitehead and just be the better player in training camp in the preseason, that you would probably see Antoine Winfield play more of the Jordan Whitehead role and Edwards just kind of roam free. Because I mm-hmm. think Winfield, like you said, he can, he can kind of do it all on that defense. And I think that the defense is suited pretty perfect for him. Right. I agree with you. I think it's one of those things that if Winfield can be more of this flex piece defensively last year, they dabbled in it. He did some blitzing. He didn't play in the slot a ton, mostly played free safety. If they kind of, but in college, he did it also. Maybe they keep moving toward that model with him. And then that might mean an increase in snaps for Edwards. Now, I know this isn't exactly a position battle, but it's a position that warrants looking at second round draft pick Kyle Trask. I wanted to get Maybe your expectations for him over the preseason, not so much training camp because we know he'll be getting his reps in, but as far as preseason goes, in a perfect world for me, I would like Kyle Trask to be the guy that you see out there the most, and I think a lot of people can agree as well, but mm-hmm. um, 
is he going to get that? Like, do you think Kyle Trask is really going to get the most out of his reps over training camp preseason? And is, uh, is he going to be the quarterback? Most people are watching. Yes. He needs to be the guy that plays the most. And other than Brady, I would love for him to be the guy who's most impressive. That doesn't necessarily mean most consistent or that he's going to start over Blaine or that he's going to be the number two over Blaine Gabbard experience matters. And in a window like this, the Bucks probably want to lean on experience in case of an emergency. So I don't think Trask will be active on a lot of game days for sure, but I just think, yeah, that he's got to be, you know, if you want Trask to show that, Oh yeah, he's, you know, I think he's better than Blaine Gabbard, or I think he's going to be better than Blaine Gabbard very soon. One thing you want to be able to say that at the end of the preseason, you don't want him to be like, he's not even anywhere close to Gabber right now. Like he right. can't even push Gabber right now. I, that would be disappointing. I don't think it's asking too much of a second round pick to be able to be on the same level as a number two guy who's been a career disappointment. I, I think that's pretty fair to ask of him. Yeah. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, do you think a guy like Ryan Griffin is pretty much facing a very uphill battle to, to make the team? Yes. There's no way he makes the team unless it's as a practice squad member. I believe the practice squad rule staying in place. I should have read over him. I believe with the rules staying in place that he is can be on the practice squad again this year. So he should make that and stay in that type of a role, which would make him the longest tenured bucks quarterback in Tampa Bay history. So that's <laughs> exciting for Ryan and a great guy. I think that's what will happen. I think the quarterback battle is pretty set in stone already. What's going to happen. Oh yeah. Now, as far as this preseason goes, something we didn't have last year for a lot of those younger guys that are going to be on the bubble this year is, you know, the preseason, obviously a full training camp um, OTAs. They were able to get in there six weeks ago and get some work in as well. But some of those guys on the bubble that, you know, people are going to be paying close attention to. Who do you think are some of those guys for Tampa Bay this year? Um, I know it was tough last year because, like I said, no preseason and a lack of stuff like that. But there's going to be ample opportunity uh, for some of those guys kind of, you know, hanging around on the edge of the roster. So who do you think some of those guys could be? I don't know that there will be any surprise cuts for the Bucks this year. Um, I don't even really have a hot take in that regard. I don't think like early on, I was like, I don't think Tyler Johnson's in risk of not making the roster. I just think being active on game days could be an adventure for him because as a sixth receiver, you know, if Jalen Darden's the return guy, he's going to be active. You know, the top three and Scotty will probably be active. And so then if everybody's healthy, you know, how does Tyler Johnson get out on the field? Because the sixth receiver has to be able to contribute on special teams. And so he didn't really do that last year. That's going to be where he has to make his mark. So if he does that, then, then awesome, you know, then, that, then uh, that kind of rules that out. But if he doesn't throughout the preseason, it becomes harder to get him a hat on game days unless somebody's hurt. It's just the reality of the position. You have to have enough guys to play special teams too. Yeah. Unless they don't care about his special teams, then maybe they just play him anyway. Yeah, you know, it must really suck to be a, a Bucks wide receiver that's on the bubble because, I mean, you know, Justin Watson and Jadon Mickens, like, they almost don't have a shot to make this team. Because I, yeah. I mean, I seriously doubt they're going to carry seven wide receivers. And, right. I mean, you're talking about a guy who can play special teams. Watson obviously can, mm -hmm. uh, and so can Mickens, but Mickens has his off-field issues as well, so mm -hmm. we're not really sure about that situation. Um, yeah, those guys, I just don't see it. They would have to be incredible and maybe, you know, you can never predict injuries. Um, maybe there's an injury that, that opens it up, uh, who knows, but I do like Tyler Johnson. So, uh, I, I think, I think the bucks do too. Uh, yes, I, I think yes. it's, it's really, I, I'm not sure if, if you've made this comparison at all, but I've heard, you know, it's a lot of just 
like a, a newer version of Chris Godwin almost. He's a very mm-hmm. similar build, very similar frame, and they, they play a very similar style. Yeah. So uh, I think, yeah, the, the Bucks really do like him. So I don't think, like you said, he's not in any danger of being cut. Right. You just might not see as much as some fans would maybe like to see uh, of him. So, yeah. Um, and they yeah, could keep seven wideouts. I mean, mm-hmm. it could, you know, but like you said, Justin Watson would have to impress on special teams. We just saw a little bit of minicamp, but it didn't look like they were using him a ton in that regard during minicamp, what we saw. So he just, he really needs a big camp again. Like they need, they want special teams contributors. If he's better on special teams than Tyler Johnson and he makes the roster, it's not crazy to think he could get the hat on game days and Scott Tyler Johnson could be inactive if everybody at wide receiver is healthy. Cause the reality is Tyler Johnson probably wouldn't play much a wide receiver in that group. So yeah. it just, the Jalen Darden thing complicates things because he's going to be out there. He's going to be your, your active guy. He's going to be your return guy. And last year, I think the Bucs went like all year, basically not getting anything from wide receiver six mm. in terms of special teams. So what it meant was Jaden Mickens, when he was active, really had to play a lot of special teams. He had to be on the coverage units. And that really wasn't a great fit for him. If you're going to ask a rookie in Darden to come in and do the returns and handle the coverage duties uh, on a, as, as a tackler and a defender on special teams, that seems like a lot. So how all that unravels itself at wide receiver, I think that that's the spot where, you know, I don't know about anybody getting cut. That would be a surprise, but roles you know could be defined that people didn't necessarily see uh that long ago yeah while we're talking about the younger guys i want to shift to the defense first round draft pick joe tryon we know him as a guy who kind of got a late start wasn't out there immediately at ota so he's gonna have some eyes on him in training camp but what are your expectations for him and where does he kind of fit in along this defensive line because i've heard all sorts of people say all sorts of things about what to expect and you know, how much of a capacity he's going to have, because let's face it, he's playing behind two alpha males and JPP and Shaq Barrett. So, you know, fitting him in there on an extra passing down every now and again, seems like it'd be harder to do, but I just, I, I have no idea how much we're going to see him, but what do you think about Tryon so far and uh, where he fits on this D line? I think we will definitely see him because even though Barrett, Shaq Barrett and JPP never want to come off the field, Todd Bowles is making them come off the field oh, yeah. at, at times too. So he will play, he will play in rotation, I wouldn't say actually not in rotation, but as a reserve for both those guys, probably on both sides, if he can do it, if they judge, he can do it after the preseason. Um, And I think he'll play sometimes with both of those guys too. So I'd expect him to start at 15 snaps a game and then hopefully work his way up to 25. And some of those, you know, eight or nine of those are with uh, all three of them on the field. JPP can play inside. He actually is best as a pass rusher when he is lined up inside. They just haven't had a capable number three edge rusher to get him those kind of looks. So that's where I think Tryon will come in most useful is just being another body that they can use that actually like provide somewhat of a threat. How, how well he does is really kind of an unknown because of the opt out last year, the year before I thought he was very raw, but he has tons of potential. He obviously has an unbelievable frame length athleticism. He is those kind of things. Technically there were things that need to be cleaned up. He's probably what, I mean, he's got to be the guy most excited to watch in, in training camp. Right. Because I mean, we haven't seen him play real live pad football right for forever. So we're going to get a great look at him and we'll know a lot more about him in a few weeks. When you're talking about excitement, I would probably say either him or, or, or a guy like Kyle Trask or Jalen Darden, um, Kyle Trask, you know, the hometown, it's kind of not really hometown, but local college kid. He's a quarterback. He's a second round pick. So mm-hmm. I think people will be excited to watch him. Now, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of rookies and, and playing time for rookies. 
I don't know if we, we're going to see any of, of Tom Brady in the preseason. Do you expect to see many of the starters in preseason? I know these teams in the past few years, the Rams started with it and some teams have followed, of just not really playing their starters at all in the preseason. Do How, how many of the Bucs starters do you think we'll be seeing in the preseason since it's only three games this year? My guess is we would see the starters, but I don't know that we'll see a ton of them. I think in game one, we'll see the starters, but probably for a very little bit of a little limited amount of time. Game two, we could get a quarter from offensive guys, maybe less, depending on how good they look. If you know, it depends how the drive goes, obviously, and things like that. But and then I bet in the third game, we wouldn't see them at all, would be my guess. So I think that's how they'll treat it with the new three game preseason. You may even see less of Brady than what I just described, but uh, I think you'll see about a quarter of the starters in the second game, maybe a drive or two in the first game. Do you think that's a – is that a Bruce Arians decision on Brady or is that a ask Tom Brady how he feels and if he wants to play? Probably Bruce Arians' decision. I bet Brady would play the whole preseason. <laughs> Brady gets it. I'm sure he understands that he won't, but I'm sure that he would do whatever was asked. And I think Brian Arians' thing, like, we don't need to see anymore. <laughs> So I know you're a big draft guy, and we talked about some of the more exciting rookies to watch at training camp, Joe Tryon, Jalen Darden especially, just because of all the places he can kind of fit in. But, you know, I wanted to get your two cents on this on this draft class overall this year because I know you're a big draft guy yourself. Um, so what do you think of the class? Bucks were able to shore up and sign the rest of those guys, Robert Hainsey, the uh, third-round lineman being the last of them. But, um, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that class? I think it was a good, solid class. You know, it's not going to wow like the other ones did last few did because of the draft position and the class itself, in my opinion, was very weak. The Bucks also didn't have many needs. So what would have probably been their optimal strategy wasn't really an option for them, like trading down, doing things like that. If you trade down, you just have guys that won't make your team. So it was just very tricky. Probably one of the most difficult drafts, I would say, in terms of the position, but also the state of the roster just didn't leave you a lot of options. You know, if you take a wide receiver that's really on your board, there was a great wide receiver class. There's lots of guys they loved. Where is he going to play? Like, if you take somebody early, they can't return, you know, kicks. Like, it's just hard to figure that out at this point in time. You know, you keeping a guy like that on a roster is going to be is really difficult, I think. So um, they kind of had their hands tied a little bit in terms of their options, which most teams really, every probably every other team didn't to the same degree. So um, that made it tougher, but I still think, you know, try on, I wasn't necessarily wild about him on tape, but the more I learned about him, the more I saw his workouts, it's just hard to judge. I mean, he, he like I said, he didn't play last year and it's just yeah. that he needed technical growth. So it's not like I wonder whether he's a good athlete. That part would be harder to, you know, I wonder about technique development in that way. We just didn't get to see it. So I'd like to think that he's in a great place to get the most out of his skill set. Um, so Trask, I think the ceiling is limited, but even if he wins you a couple games in this window, if you need him in spot duty next year, you know, whatever, he gets the chance to beat out Gabbert. Like, okay, you know, that's all right. I mean, you had a body at the most important position in the game. Your quarterback's kind of a crapshoot. So if you can add an option, I don't think it's a bad idea. Again, not many spaces on the roster where you can do something like that. Mm -hmm. If you can get a chance to develop a quarterback, you believe in some of the intangibles, maybe you can get to, you know, a good season here and there with all the right pieces are around him and, and Tampa obviously is a lot of those. So I thought Hainsey, a developmental guy, but that's what they wanted on the offensive line. Definitely a Bucks mentality, a Bucks finisher, nasty, gets after people, pretty athletic dude, not necessarily as big as some of the guys I think they've kind of gone after, but my guess is he plays inside. He could be a center for them uh, if Jensen leaves or maybe right guard if Kappa leaves or one of those or both spots if uh, interchangeably, if uh, both those guys leave as free agents next year. So 
Um, and then I like Darden a lot as a fourth round pick. I think he's going to do some really nice things. I think he's, he looked really good in rookie minicamp too. So I'm excited about him. Uh, KG Britt and Grant Stewart to me were guys that were special teams only. And then they added Joe Jones and they're probably going to keep him four linebackers. I don't expect either of them will make the roster, but I think that they'll make the, maybe one or both on the practice squad. Um, no ceiling for those guys, in my opinion. And then Wilcox, I guess he's starting on the pup list. I don't know if yeah. you guys just saw the announcement, but um, he didn't really do anything at rookie minicamp, to be honest. Uh, Cameron Kinley, Antonio Hamilton, Herb Miller, I think those guys are squarely ahead of him in the pecking order for CB5. So uphill battle for Wilcox now to be able to make this roster for sure. Do you think uh... – do you think that you know possibly Kinley could could have a, a real shot at the at the fifth cornerback spot? Because obviously it's a great story. You'd love to yeah. see it, and obviously they have a after Ross Cockrell, it's a real unknown of who that fifth corner is. Yeah, he could. Yes, no question. He think he was the best of all those guys. Herb didn't play in the rookie minicamp, but I think Kinley was the best of all of them in the rookie minicamp portion of things. Uh, definitely played a lot better than Nate Brooks and a lot better than D Delaney. Um, he is kind of has the right makeup for a buck, right? Like he's mentally tough. He's smart. He's physical. He gets after people. Um, he's not super athlete, but I think that's okay. He definitely has the build that they're looking for. I'm very intrigued by Cameron Kinley. I, I, I think Herb and Miller and um, Antonio Hamilton will start kind of ahead of him a little bit, but would not surprise me if Kinley makes up that ground. It's not like it's a huge gap if yeah. there's gap at all. You know, it's just I think that Hamilton's experience is yeah, is important. A lot of special teams. Say. Yeah, a lot of defensive reps compared to the other guys. Yeah. Um, and this team, they may value that a lot unless Kinley wows in preseason, and then we'll, then we'll see. Yeah. Now, if there is a concern that I have to find, uh, at least that I have headed into training camp, it's hard to pick them apart on this team, but defensive line – um, it's hard to say that the Bucks could have built it through the draft because we know that that defensive line class just wasn't anything super special. So it's hard the to weakest, blame them for that. The, the, the weakest in years. It, I, right. I think John would agree with me there. Oh yeah. It's horrendous. I but, was glad that they kept out of it. They stayed out of it. Would you say the lack of depth on this defensive line, or at least what it feels like could be a concern, uh, and do the Bucks have the time or the resources to really address it before the season starts, uh, starts rolling? Well, it's tricky because on one hand, like, yes, Rhett, you're right that, I mean, you have right now a defensive line that does not have any young, explosive, exciting player other than Khalil Davis. Obviously, Vea would, you know, he's a starter, and but there's no developmental, everybody's old, right? Like, you know what Nacho is, he's not that old, but you know what he is. McClendon, Sue, Golston, they're all on the wrong side of 30. The rotation will be fine. The run defense will be fine. I'm not worried about any of that. But Ledbetter, O'Connor, you know what those guys are. They're not the answer. You know, Benning, Potuai, and Kobe, whatever his name is, like those guys aren't the answer. So, like, you really just have Khalil Davis kind of in this, like, location by himself where it's right. just, like, he's your only developmental hope right now. And so all eyes should be on him at camp from fans' perspective. But if he doesn't work out, you're right. There's not like next year, what, Golson, Sue, McClendon, they're all free agents. Sue and McClendon could retire. And, and McClendon's, like, got it. Isn't he one of the oldest linemen in the NFL? He right is now? the oldest interior defensive lineman, right. probably defensive lineman in general, to take a snap. Yeah, last season, and Sue is the second oldest, and so it is a situation for both those guys where like this might be it. And Golston, you know, he will, you know, he'll be a free agent, and they may bring him back cheap, and that might be easy. But um, it's there's long term. I, yeah, I'm worried about it this year. I think you know McClendon and Sue are freaks. They take such unbelievable care of their bodies. 
Golson is kind of the same way. I mean, he's adopted Sue's workout regimen. So they have a lot of, you know, knock on wood, but like the durability with those guys has been great. They've held up well, despite still handle and snap count loads that are big, bigger than they'll face this season. Um, so yeah, I, I think both guys that can contribute to run defense will be fine. The scheme is great for run defense. The problem becomes pass rush. You know, how do you work in pass rush with those guys? Cause I don't think any of them except Bea are really impact guys in that situation. And the hope and the prayer is that Khalil Davis can be that guy. If he can give you that spark, then maybe he's active on game days as a sixth guy or as the fifth guy. And maybe it's not Joe McClendon who's inactive, whatever you need. But I think the hope is that, man, if he can just give you pass rush reps, I don't even care if he sucks as a run defender, but he can give you pass rush reps, then he has a usefulness on this team. Yeah. And uh, before we get you out of here, just wanted to quick say thank you for coming to Tampa because before you came, it was all miserable. And then, you know, <laughs> and then all, all of a sudden John Ledger shows up, not even in, not even in Florida. He just, he just joins Peter report. And then all of a sudden all these things start to happen. And then he moves to Florida and did, did they lose a game after you? No, moved we moved no. during the bye week So eight game winning streak since we moved to Florida. So it, it's been, I tell you what, man, it's been awesome. I love the area. Our family <laughs> loves it. We love all. Of it. We're up in Pennsylvania right now, actually, um, just getting away for a little bit and seeing some family and in a wedding at the end of next week. But we'll be back for training camp, and uh, it's going to be an exciting season. I can't wait to see what the Bucks do. Heck so yeah, the bu- the Bucks the Bucks win the Super Bowl. Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Twice I'm honestly, in a row. I- yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, John, if, if you know, but I'm I'm from Philly, so I'm a Flyers fan. That's why I made the Penguins. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's. Uh, I just just want to say thank you. I think everybody is is grateful for 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 you joining. It's it's really. I, I don't know where they would be without you. Trevor Sycamore was clearly the the curse, and uh, John John Ledger was the gift. I appreciate you guys. You're way too kind. But I mean, if the Bucks do feel so inclined, I will accept a Super Bowl ring <laughs> as payment for my services. <laughs> there you go, man. Uh, one last question before we get out of here, and I'll keep it brief. But as far as training camp goes, are there maybe a, a certain player or a handful of players that you expect to break out in a way? Is you know, Do you have somebody pegged as, as taking a step throughout these next couple of weeks? I mean, I think Devin White, like, I know that seems silly to people because a lot of people already think he's elite and everything, but I don't think that yet, but I think he can get there and I think he will get there this year. He can totally get better. Yeah, yeah, he can get better. And I think we're going to see a guy who contends to be the best linebacker in the league this year. And that's what the ceiling, that's where he's already been kind of put. I think his level of play will catch that. It already started to in the playoffs and I think his level of play will catch that this season. So he's the guy that I have kind of all eyes on. I think we're going to have a huge year from him. John Ledyard, uh, John Ledyard of Pewter Report, thank you so much for joining this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Where can the people find you and your awesome work as well? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft and obviously all my written stuff over on pewterreport.com and then my podcast analysis and all that over on the Pewter Report Podcast. Heck yeah, brother. And you guys are going live today at four. Yeah, uh, I kind of live in a half hour. <laughs> I really like the episode premise. I won't keep you long. I really like the episode premise, though. You guys are putting together that protection list or basically yeah. if the NFL were to do another expansion draft. Uh, so if you guys want to check that out at 4 p.m., the Pewter Report YouTube channel, they're going to be live with our podcast. And, of course, Mr. Ledyard there as well. I'll let you go, buddy, but thank you so much for checking in with us again. Absolutely, lot, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. See you, John. So we're going to hang out live with you guys, talk about training camp for just a little bit longer. But thank you to our folks in the live chat hanging out with us. And, of course, Mr. John Ledyard of Pewter Report. Make sure you guys go check out his work. Tom Bucks fan, Jay Elmore hanging out with us. OJ Simpson, the one and only, and uh, AM209. He was, he was actually, he was the first guy in the chat. He was. So when I, when I pulled up the chat, it just said OJ. I was like, uh-oh, he's here. 
<laughs> did you ever hear speaking of oj well did you ever hear about the uh well i guess it was like the whole one of the many reasons that his case fell apart but when the cops did a search of his home they found a physical copy of a uh it was a show it was called i think frogmen or toadmen but it was about like a navy seals group and it was starring one oj simpson it never aired but okay. the tape that they found was like a two-hour pilot and these cops and investigators literally got together in the living room of oj's house and they just had a viewing of this of this navy seals Seriously? tv show that yeah it's like it's almost a form of lost media now i think you might be able to find it on the internet but i heard the story about yeah when they raided oj's house and they were looking at his stuff they were just going through vhs tapes and then eventually they ended up taking it as evidence but I don't know. That's pretty I, funny, I don't man. know. I, I know, like, I like, obviously, I wasn't alive, but, like, I, I, I just, I found that case and everything so interesting. So, like, I've watched the, the OJ Made in America thing and right. stuff like that. And I, I never heard anything like that. So, that's <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Go check it out. Um, it's just, that's funny to me, man. Like, I yeah. never heard much about an OJ acting career, but it, that's one of those things where we have evidence well, of it like, because I think well, right you, before you, his you case heard, was when it started to take off. Yeah, you, you never heard much though, like Top Gun. Uh, no, not Top Gun. Uh, the the Naked Gun. He was in all three of those. Oh, was he really? Yeah. No, I uh, guess I'm just not the biggest OJ Simpson fan. I didn't really start well, to get I mean... familiar with his work until a couple <laughs> years ago. Well, I didn't. Yeah. I don't... Since he is a Tampa Bay local as well. <laughs> oh, he is. Yeah, he, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure he still lives in St. Pete. He has a house over there he uh, bought okay. a little while ago. Um, Tom Bucks fan in the chat says Flyers suck, Lightning rule. I mean, it's hard for me to argue with that. The Flyers that make the playoffs and the Lightning are back to back Cup champs. So I, I can't really, I can't really argue with, with that. So Tommy uh, Meehan says, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be disappointed if the Bucks don't have the number one offense in the league this year. I'm thinking of Brady MVP too. I, I mean, that is a discussion that I don't think a lot of people are ready for. But obviously, it's not going to shock anybody too much that the Bucks could be swinging you know, number one offense in the year after bringing everybody back the way that they did. You still have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Scotty Miller getting used to Tom Brady, uh, Brady back in the sack, ready to go 100% or at least a lot closer than he was last year. Um, I, I, But if they're number two, like, are you going to be mad? Like if they're number two with a Super Bowl ring, nobody's going to be upset. No, I no, mean, nobody's going to remember even 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 if they are number two and they don't have a Super like. I don't know. He said, you know, he, he said that he'll be disappointed if they're not the number one. Offense How disappointed? In the I, I'll, I'll, I'll take top five. I think what are the expectations for the Buccaneers offense oh, this I, year? I, I guess while I we're talking it, about it, I think it has to be top five, top five uh, for I, sure. I, I, yeah, I think they, yeah. they've been top five, even with like the previous quarterback that they were top five. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I mean, you know, Brady MVP, maybe it's just, you have to be so stellar every single week almost. Like, you probably get one game or so that's like a mulligan. For Aaron Rodgers, he won the MVP. His mulligan game was week six against the Bucs. That was his mulligan game. But other than that, though, he was just dominant at the entire time. And there were times where Brady was very good. But there was also times, uh, both New Orleans games, uh, the Giants game, he wasn't great. The Rams game, I think the Rams game was the worst game of the year for him. Right. Um, and then when you've got games that, you know. Those, and those games are on prime time, too, a lot of them. Yeah. So, like that that's when everybody's watching that's when like so if, if he wants to have a shot at the mvp one the bucks are gonna have to win more than 11 games they, they, yeah they i think that's a fair statement they're gonna have to be a bet they're gonna to, which I, I think is, is a safe bet that they're gonna win more than 11 but you know i think it'll be in the 13 to 15 if he has a so. shot for the mvp his touchdown total has to be top three 
Yeah. Because yeah, the I league think... now, with everybody slinging every, the way that they do, throwing, yeah. right, every quarterback who is worth a damn is going to be throwing more than 35 TDs. Yep. And that's yeah, a lot I, of uh, touchdowns. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Brady threw, what, 42 in the regular season last year? 41? I think it was, I think it was 40. And then, okay. And then he, and he rushed and he for threw, three. And then he threw, uh, well, he had 50 total touchdowns by the end of the year. So seven touchdowns in the postseason. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sounds so right. That would, that would be, well, you had, you, had, you had three in the Super Bowl. He had two, three in Green Bay. No, he had more than seven. He had, he had six in the Super Bowl. He had Bowl one rushing touchdown against the Saints. Yeah, he had, what, then, two well, he, against Washington. He, he two against Washington. He had one against New uh, one against New Orleans. Two against one, New Orleans, technically. One against New Orleans and one rushing touchdown. Yeah, so yeah. he had more than seven. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the the expectation for this offense. I mean, yeah, there's barring any major injuries, like obviously if. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both down for the entire season. That changes things. But if, if this offense stays relatively healthy, okay, he had 10 passes, 10 touchdown passes in the playoffs. That number makes more sense. Yeah. That and, number makes more sense. Th- thank you, Tom, in, in the chat. Um, so um, if, if they stay healthy, yeah, it's top five. It's got to be top five. If it's top 10, great, but that still is kind of a disappointment. And I'm not, if it's top 10, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, he did that two against one. That's right, the Leonard Fournette one where he juggled it. Um, if it's top ten, I'm not sure the Bucks are as good as we think they are. If it's only top ten, right? Now here is another topic as far as you know offensive expectations. It's been talked about by other people. It seems like a little bit of a button topic, but let's talk about expectations for that wide receiver room. And you know, I wanted to talk about it while Ledyard was on here. I think we planned to, but we really knew he was going to be a limited time, right. so we wanted to get the training camp preview and stuff. But let's talk about expectations for this wide receiver room. There's a lot of people saying that Antonio Brown is going to be the best wide receiver on the team this year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, obviously, I can't agree. Maybe I'm a little biased. I'm, I'm Team Mike Evans all the way. But you know, what are the expectations for like a full season of Antonio Brown? Because we saw him really get into a rhythm. God, the guy had what? How many games in a row with at least a touchdown throughout the playoffs? He um, uh, well, he didn't score in the. Uh, well, no, it was well. He had he had he had three. Well, he had three games, but it wasn't including play. It was including play. Yeah, but he had like play. six touchdowns in three games or something like that, right? Yeah, well, he he had well, one in the Detroit game. He had two in the Atlanta game, and then he had one in the Washington game. Right. So he really hadn't head for the end zone towards the end of the year. If we can get him. Well, and you know, then he full... also had one, one in the other Atlanta game. So it was six touchdowns in four games. Okay. Six touchdowns in four games is no easy feat by any means for any wide receiver in the NFL, but this is Antonio Brown. One of the greatest to ever do it. Um, so, uh, you know, full OTAs, full training. I don't even think he was at OTAs, but full training camp, full preseason. If he's out there getting reps with the starters, you know, what are the expectations for him like this year? Because we talk about the Bucks, of course, being a top five offense, but you got wide receivers that are going to be fighting for touchdowns. Like it's, you know, it's a perfect situation for Tom Brady. But as far as AB goes, what are your expectations for him? Right. I mean, you know, I think his numbers will be higher because just naturally he's playing sure. in all he's playing in all 17 games now. So you got to think he he started in week nine. And um, and if you if you remember, there was like we had these this conversation. We were like, is Antonio Brown really making that much of an impact? Like, if you remember, weeks nine to fourteen, he wasn't doing a whole lot. Like, he had a few plays in the Carolina game in Carolina, um, 
Uh, other, he had a few plays in a Rams game. The Chiefs game, he was non-existent. Uh, I mean, in the Vikings game, he didn't really do a whole lot. And then in that Atlanta game, in the second half of that Atlanta game, uh, in Atlanta, really started to catch his stride. And um, after that, he just got hot. You know, and then and then obviously they he had the, the Detroit game where he didn't do too much, but he I mean that was just dumb, you know, just domination. So and he scored a touchdown anyway. And then the last Atlanta game, which he had, that was probably prime throwback AD. Um, yeah, I mean it was that, probably that it was probably being thrown to Scotty Miller, but it was still an impressive yeah, catch. That's a good catch. That's a good catch. <laughs> and then he he had the other touchdown too, so he had two touchdowns that game. So yeah. Um, and then in the playoffs, like he played well in the Washington game. He had got that injured. Touchdown. Yeah, he got injured in the New Orleans game uh, and then didn't play in the uh, NFC Championship game. So he didn't play in that game. And uh, I mean, he didn't really do a ton in, in the Chiefs game besides the touchdown. Uh, but, you know, he filled a role. He filled his role perfectly. And I, I would expect that again this year. I He's done everything the Bucks have asked him to do since is, being which here. Is, which is all you can ask him to do. Exactly. You know, it's, you know, it's, um, I think people have asked me, oh, are they going to have three 1,000 yard receivers? And when they're like shocked when I say no, like, do you realize like just how difficult that is? That's, that's a you lot know? of offensive production. That's, like, that that's is, that like, is a lot of, a that, lot that's of passing almost yards. Like, that's almost like historic. Like, it, like it would be possible if they just don't run the ball at all. Like if, they, if they're just like throwing, well, if Tom Brady, if Tom Brady's throwing 60 passes a game and his arm just falls off at the end of the year. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I think people take into account there's an extra regular season game and like, I get all that, but two 1000 yard receivers is very impressive and very difficult to do. I think what the Bucks have only done it, what, twice in the past few years. I know Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson did it. Mike Evans rookie year. And then Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Godwin did it in 2019. That's it. Yep. Like, you know, for the embarrassment of bridges that the Bucks have had on offense for seemingly since 2014 or so, it's only happened twice. So that's how difficult it is to have two. In the Let, year that in, in the year that, uh, one, that that's tough. The year that Mike Evans and, and Godwin did it as well. I remember they barely did it. Yep. Right. Like, I mean, they barely got it in there. And that was with Jameis Winston under center, who we know can absolutely sling it. You know, it's it's a little bit easier when you and, have and expectations. They, they also they they weren't they were running the ball way less. Yes, because they, they, they were, were playing from behind. Yeah, so it was that, <laughs> they were trying to can, catch up all the time, exactly. so they had to air it out. They really had no that other choice. The clock was working against them. I I think if you give Bruce Arians the choice to have three one thousand yard receivers or to have a more balanced offense, he'll say a more balanced offense because a more balanced offense when you have the talent that the Bucks do is more difficult to defend than just. You know, oh, we know they're going to pass. And like, that's why it gets like, exciting when you talk about offensive expectations, because if it's a balanced offense and it's a, you know, perfect day at the office, uh, if it's a perfect day at the office for everybody on the field, they have the talent to be the best offense in the NFL by a good margin. But, you know, if you're passing the ball that much, chances are your run game isn't working and therefore your offense is kind of one sided. And it just, you know, it, it there's a lot of, uh, complimentary football to be played and i don't know how much complimentary football can be played if you have three thousand yard receivers because that is just you know like we said before that's a lot of throwing man it, it would be awesome like it, it would it would be cool no doubt but just but the bucks would probably be like nine and seven or nine and eight or you know ten and seven 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd still probably be good because you have three receivers at a thousand yards, but that's very true. <laughs> I mean, that's three. You've also got, you know, the best defense in the NFL. We've done that's, all this talking whoa, about the offense. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's whoa, I, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you don't think the Bucks have the best defense in the NFL? I don't, I don't know if it's the best. I think it's, it's, it's who definitely is, who is the best. I don't, I still really like the Rams, even though like they lost some pieces. Like, I get it. Um, even like, you know, who is the the best defense that, that didn't lose people like, Mm. I mean, not the Steelers, they lost Bud Dupree, but other than that, Vince Williams retired. Yeah. Um, I mean that the bears really didn't lose much. They're still a really good defense. I don't know if they're better than the bucks, but like they're, they didn't lose much. Um, I, I don't know. I just I'm I'm not yet. I think they're they're top. You're three. just not a they're, homer. They're they're, they're a t- shut up. I've they're, never they're heard you top. say the Bucks are best at anything. Uh, they, well, they have the best quarterback. How about that? Um, okay. Well, they don't. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? You said it, and then you well, took it back. I, I, you know, I've and then you said, said they do, I've, but they don't. I've been I've been on this show many times saying that the Bucks are the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. So okay, I, I don't. I'll I don't want to. I, I think they they have the best wide receiver tandem. They have the best tight end room. They have, you know, I I think they have the best linebacker room. It, yeah, I you know, there's, okay. there's a lot of things. Okay, I will take those. I will take those because I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, okay, if you guys are hanging because, out with us, because they're not the best, I still think the Bucks are like top three on defense. If you guys are hanging out with us in the live chat, drop any questions you may have regarding training camp, season expectations, whatever the hell you want to talk about, as long as it's red and pewter. We'll cover it as we now, start to or, kind of wrap or, things up. Or like, or OJ Simpson, uh, OJ Simpson pilot, murder pilot house watch party. Yeah, <laughs> we can do that too. Um, so I mean, and, and let me just put this out there: I'm not. I'm saying right now, I don't think the Bucks are are the best defense. That doesn't mean that by the end of the season, I couldn't consider them that. I'm just saying right now, as currently constructed, I don't know if they are. That doesn't mean I don't think they can be. I think they can be because I think. John even mentioned the guy. I think Devin White could take this thing. Oh, he still has room to improve it. his game. And, like, that's I mean, got to be scary. There was times this year where he didn't look very good. We like, talked like about that, it on this show. I mean, people yeah. who have listened to the podcast before know that we have talked about Devin White, particularly his weakness in coverage every now and again. He really is not the best coverage yeah, linebacker. Mean, yeah. There, there was times when, like, we were like, okay, Levante David's the clear best linebacker on this team still. Yeah. Like, we're, you know, and now it's like, oh, maybe he's not, you know. Um, so, I, I, yeah, they, they have all the potential in the world, right? Yeah. They have all the potential. I just don't know. Um, AM209 in the chat asked, where is the banner in the stadium going to be on opening night? On and the we sale. I don't know. It's going to be I on the sale. Assume, I will assume – that it will be on the boat because that is exactly where the first one is. So I assume it'll just be another sale. It'll be on the boat. I like on that. The yeah, boat. it'll probably be on the sale. It'd be cool if they like not redid the pirate ship, but did like a special sale, you know, that has both the Super Bowl titles on there, which I'm sure they'll figure something out. They'll update the I, font. I, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I think it'll be an updated font with just another sale. I don't. Think right. It's gonna... Hey, I, I'm. I'm cool. I'll with take it. But speaking it. of. <laughs> Super Bowl festivities. We will close with this. Uh, Today, Bruce Arians said it best when they visited the White House earlier this week. Today is the day that the 2020 Buccaneers get put to bed. When we wake up tomorrow, it will be a new season. It'll be a new team. We'll still be world champs, but obviously, you know, the defense tour. You'll be defending that. Yes. 
the championship festivities are over after today. So with that being said, let's talk about the Super Bowl ring, man. They're going to get them tonight at the facility. We do not know what they look like yet. Have not heard any leaks. Forgot to ask John if he's heard anything because we know he's a little bit plugged in. But um, what do you think it's going to look like? Because I, I've read a couple of things that seem like leaks. I don't entirely believe them, but I do have a uh, situation in my head that I think it's going to play out. But uh, what do you think? Well, it's going to be huge because I think it's like, going to be if, huge. If you look Tampa. at if you look at um, just look at their rings from when they last won, and then compare them to like last year's ring for Kansas City. Like the size difference is ridiculous. well, even at the time when they won their first Super Bowl, they were kind of they were kind of stiffed with the design. I'll be honest. Yeah, I like mean, even I, at the time, it was kind of it looked you know twenty years older than it should have been. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure. I think obviously I think the final score will be on there. Yep. Um, it'll be an engraved in there uh, somewhere. Um, I, I'm trying. I'm pulling up a picture right now of what the Chiefs Super Bowl ring looked like last year. See, it's um, funny because a lot of the Super Bowl rings that you've seen people selling um, mm-hmm. are literally the Chiefs ring from last year with just the Bucks logo plastered on. Yeah, and I mean it, it's interesting because yeah, the Bucks now do have two Super Bowl trophies. So mm-hmm. like. The Chiefs one has two Super Bowl trophies on there. I can see that maybe somewhere. I can see like th- you know Super Bowl thirty seven being mentioned on there somewhere. Yeah. Um. I think obviously the logo will be like the centerpiece. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I I think you could see. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be shiny. Obviously, it's gonna, it's gonna be, be very, huge. It's gonna be it's big gonna and be, shiny. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be big. Like I said, I think you'll you'll see the year. I think you'll see the the final score. Um, I think there'll be a big bucks flag right in the middle. I think you'll see a lot of gold, um, not as much gold as Kansas City's. I think you'll see uh, probably, you know, like I think you'll see more red, uh, more red. I, I, I pewter will be tough to do. I think it'll I think. be mostly gold. I don't think yeah, it's going to be I, like I, a white sure. diamond ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I just pewter, pewter would be tough to do. I wonder yeah, if you see any type of hint of creamsicle. Just so here is. Here is what I wanted to get into. I, I've been looking around all day from all you're the really forms. you're like really invested in, this, dude. I'm like so excited you're... about these rings because I want them to do us justice. At the are end of buying, the day, are you buying like one of them replicas? For like as soon bucks? as they come out, if I like the ring enough, then yeah, I probably will. Um, but like. here, here is everything that I have found. Now, take this with a grain of salt because there are a couple of points that I'm going to go over on here that I'm pretty sure are not true. But let's talk about it. Uh, do you remember the lightning championship rings from last year no. where it was the lightning bolt with the Stanley cup, but on the ring, you could flip the Stanley cup and there were more details inside oh, the ring. Yeah. I think we're going to have a similar situation to that here. I think we are officially at the timeline where sports teams start to make little hidden features and, and, you know, cool fidget stuff with their championship rings. But here's what I have heard. 319 diamonds on the top of the ring to represent the score of the super bowl. 31 to nine. Nine diamonds on the left side at the bottom of the Lombardi trophy, representing holding the chiefs to nine points with no touchdowns, eight emerald cut diamonds on the exterior symbolic of the eight game win streak. The bucks went on at the end of the season here. Here is the part that I am a little skeptical on. I think this is maybe half true, half not. A lot of this is a lot of this is making sense so far. We're going to, we're going to, this is where it starts to lose me, but we'll find out here in a couple of hours. The ring has a removable top with a replica of the stadium inside symbolizing being the first team to play and win a Super Bowl on their home field. This is where I disagree. 
because to make a replica of a stadium to fit inside of a championship ring just does not seem very plausible without making it obscenely large. Yeah, right. I, I think that thing would be huge. I think Ray J will be incorporated somehow. Yeah. I, I, but I, I, I think I it'll be on like that. the side the side wall. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I did I did forget about that. They they might end up uh yeah. They they they, they might end up doing something um, you know, like that because of being the first home team to win. I did forget about that. Here are the last two things that I have read. And remember, this is all speculation. This is nothing but internet speculation. No sources have said that any of this could be true. This is just a couple of guys on the internet who were like, hey, I have an inside Iggy with the organization. Here's what it is. Most of the time they're wrong, but I mean, you know, let's talk about it because today is ring day. So the last two things, hand detailed on the stadium corner walls are the scores from each of the four playoff games in total of 15 carats of diamonds set in 24 carat yellow and white gold. So again, don't know how true that is, but that's what we've been. That's what I have been reading. And a lot of it kind of adds up and seems like it would make some sense. Yeah, I, I think most of it makes sense, except for that stadium thing. Yeah, like that's the only thing to me that just. Like you said, it just it would be too big. Like it would be literally sitting there on your finger, and the height of it would almost it would be like poking people. Right. So yeah, like, it's a dangerous I, it's, weapon. Yeah, I just think it would be too too big. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. But it'll be. I'm excited to see what they look like. Um, I'm excited to see you know pictures from the ceremony and stuff. Um, I think normally it's it's pretty private anyway. Like yeah. even without COVID, it it's normally pretty private. Um, but with, with COVID and stuff and some concerns, obviously, but yeah, this is the last day that we're really going to be able to talk about the Super Bowl because I mean, the bucks are moving on. So now we got to move on, you know, no, no looking back right now. Um, But the good news with that, I mean, I don't know if we can, you know, say it this way, but I think the can of fire podcast is back. I think we are. Yeah, it is back. Yeah, we are back. So the 2021 (laughs) coverage officially begins tomorrow which means you're going to be seeing more of these two beautiful faces and maybe a couple lovely, of guests along it? the way just, right just lovely yeah. right if you guys sure listen to us as well we everybody's so there. stoked everybody just you know they, they think i'm like <laughs> most people think i'm like high when i'm doing these shows i guess i see a lot of comments that claim that i am not um your but biggest yeah, toker it, I know. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, pe- people people look at Rhett as just the guy who's always optimistic, and me is just like the Debbie Downer. So excited for another season of people saying I have no faith in this team when I predict them to lose a game, and, and that's always that's always fun. Hey, at the end of the day, we are glad to have you here, and I think that's what's important. And as long as you enjoy being here, then you know that's what keeps this train rolling. But ladies and gentlemen. I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much to our live audience for hanging out with us. Our buddy Adam from Bucks UK. I can't wait to see the rings later tonight. Jimmy says, at what time are we seeing the rings? I believe the ceremony starts at what, six or seven? Uh, I want to say like seven. Seven seven might make more sense than six. Yeah, right. So let's say seven. Let's say seven. And then, and then I don't know if you would see him immediately. You might see him a little bit after. So, yeah. Tom we'll Bucks we'll fan as well. AM209. Thank you guys for hanging out with us as we wrap things up here. Make sure you guys check out, uh, if you want some more John Ledyard, who was able to join us for the first half five, of the show today. Five minutes. Yep. Five minutes over on youtube.com forward slash pewter report. They're going to be getting started with the pewter report podcast. Um, they're going to be going over a protection list doing, yeah that's it that's interesting we, we 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 should steal that idea right 
right? If I you were to protect ten sure. bucks from an expansion draft uh, and they are eligible, who would they be? So if you guys want that and plenty of great pewter report content, make sure you go check it out on their channel. They're going to be starting here in just a couple of minutes. But last but not okay. least, re real quick, let's actually do that right now. Right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we going to do one collective list or two separate lists? I'm I'm going to do a list and then you can do a list. Okay. All right. And it's ten players. Ten players. All right. Here we go. One, Tom Brady. Two, Mike Evans. Three, Chris Godwin. Four, Levante David. Five, Devin White. Six, Shaq Barrett. Seven, hmm, seven, Antoine Winfield Jr. Eight, Tristan Wirfs. Okay. Nine, damn, this is getting tough. Nine. What'd you get down to it? I guess I, I did pick Chris Godwin. Yes. Nine. Rob Gronkowski. Okay. Ten. People aren't going to like this one. Uh, ten. Sean Murphy Bunting. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. For me, I, I figured I'd dip around, try and get as much position group as I can. No running backs, but they're disposable. Yeah. I mean, you won't see me picking Keyshawn Vaughn. So, <laughs> um, one Tom Brady, two Mike Evans, three Chris Godwin. Those are feel like givens, kind of. Right. It has to be. Um, four Levante David. Five, Devin White. Uh, six, Vita Vea. I like that. Um, seven, probably Shaq Barrett. Eight, Antoine Winfield Jr. Nine, Carlton Davis. And ten, probably Tristan Wirfs. I probably yeah. leave all. I probably leave all the tight ends unprotected. If they want to take, you know, thirty-two-year-old Gronkowski, you know, go ahead. Um, they will take Cam Break. Go ahead. Along the offensive line, I thought about Ali Marpet. It, it was tough. If if I were to make one change, I would remove Chris Godwin and put in Ali Marpet just because I already had Mike Evans. Yeah, so, fat guys are important. Yeah, so like you know, I, I if I had to change something, it would be that. But I, I think that's my list. Hell yeah, I like it, brother. Let us know what you guys think in the comments if, down below. What if, what if you had to protect one uh, coach out of the three main uh, coaches? One coach. Out of Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, or Todd Bowles, you can only protect one. You know, it sounds like a gimme, but I want to say Bruce Arians, and I only say it because one coach, you know, your head coach obviously is going to be important, but Bruce Arians is a is a leader of men. Um, I don't know if, if Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich have the personnel skills that Bruce Arians has. I also believe if you protect Bruce and you lose Byron and Todd, he can bring in suitable replacements to kind of keep things rolling. I'm going to say Todd Bowles because the way I protected my team, I have more defensive players on there than mm -hmm. offense. The young so, guys. Yeah, it's I, I think that's more important. So. OK, there it is. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, let us know on social media as well. Follow the show, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. You can also reach out to the show. Send us a message on there. Tweet at us. Uh, tag us in your Instagram post. Do what you got to do, man. We are always going to see that stuff, and more than likely, we will always respond. Check out my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore Daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. The 2021 season officially kicks off tomorrow, and we are very excited to have a new year of coverage lined up for you guys. Thank you again for John Ledyard from Pewter Report for jumping on the show with us. Thank you to my co-host, Evan, as always. And I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. As always, go Bucks. 
Thank you for checking out this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.